We are in week number seven in our More Than a Feeling series. We're working through uh, the New Testament book of Philippians at the smile table today. Some of you have caught on uh, as you go out the middle doors around the corner over here in the back entrance. We do have some sweet treats, so uh, help yourself there. The theme of Philippians is, any, any guesses? What's the theme of Philippians? And it is? It's joy. Uh, it's all about joy. Now, joy uh, is not everything's going wonderful. I'm having a great day. Traffic lights are all green. Nothing's rained on my parade today. Uh, that's the definition of heaven and fun. Okay? Because everything's wonderful. Uh, biblical definition for joy uh, is not dependent on circumstances being amazing and nothing is wrong. Because you can have joy on your worst days. Isn't that good to know? You don't have to have everything going your way to experience the joy of the Lord. Joy is holy hope. See? Holy confidence that Jesus is on the throne. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan and a purpose for our lives. And we trust him with whatever he allows into our lives. It's holy hope, holy optimism. And it's that joy of the Lord that literally encourages us and moves us on in life. That's joy. Last three weeks, we've been pushing through some really challenging topics. Three weeks ago, we looked at suffering, chapter 1, verses 28 to 30, followed by selfishness, verses 1 to 4 of chapter 2. And last week, some of you uh, told me that you've been doing, working on this one, uh, verses 12 to 18, we looked at complaining. Any, anybody uh, doing well on that? Uh, uh, okay. Well, today, we're going to kind of uh, switch gears, and we're going to look at two examples for us to follow. Today, uh, we're going we're to look at two godly examples the Lord has given us to imitate. But I just need to warn you, they're just ordinary guys. There's nothing really all that special about them. They're just ordinary guys doing faithful stuff. They're not superstars, Henry. Uh, they're not all-star apostles, prophets, and evangelists. They're just two average dudes who persistently serve the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. And here, here's the thing. When you do that day after day, week after week, month after month, after a while, extraordinary results occur. It's really true. Two ordinary guys demonstrating the humility and the sacrifice that Jesus showed us on the cross. Go back chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Okay? And, and I, I believe when you see just ordinary people following the example of Jesus, humility and sacrifice, it's proof. Jesus is alive. You can see it in just some ordinary people, and yet they're doing extraordinary things. It's proof that Jesus is alive in the hearts and the lives of normal, average, ordinary people just like you and me. So would you locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 19 through 30, which is the end of the chapter. Two ordinary common guys named Tim 
and Epaphroditus. Can you say it with me? Epaphroditus. Okay. They're just ordinary guys. Stand with me. Let's read all about them, uh, starting in verse 19. Ready? Here we go. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you. For I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, inspiring Paul to write these words down. And I'm grateful, Lord, that today we get to look at ordinary, normal, common folk, just like most of us. So thank you that you choose to work in normal, ordinary people. And you advance the work that you've uh, established here on earth and you use ordinary common people like us, oftentimes to really produce extraordinary things. So thank you for that. Would you uh, encourage us to follow the lead today of Timothy and Epaphroditus? Would you help us to humble ourselves and even be willing to sacrifice for you, Jesus, uh, just like you did for us on the cross, taking our place, shedding your blood and taking our place in the grave and arising from the dead. So we praise you for that. I want to pause for just a moment because uh, one, of, one of the family members got promoted here. So we want to pray uh, uh, for Sandy Evans because Wally got promoted and he's with you and he's moving great and he's seeing wonderful. So we praise you for that. But Sandy and the family are hurting right now. So would you uh, bring comfort? and strength, and grace, rain down good stuff on the Evans family, even right now. We invite you, King Jesus, to come and take charge today, because this isn't just any place. This is your church gathered. So you come and take charge individually of our lives, and our hearts, and our minds. 
Corporately, Lord, we invite you to come. We know theologically you're everywhere, but we ask and we invite you. Come, come and rule and reign today in, in this place. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one joy-filled voice, Amen. you can be seated. Verse 1, chapter 1. So go all the way back to verse 1 and chapter 1. I, I just want you to see from, from the beginning, he's talking about Timothy. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, okay? Slaves of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Um, from the very beginning, Paul is highlighting Timothy's role in his ministry. Matter of fact, he says he's the co-author of this letter. So who exactly is this Timothy that Paul is going to send to Philippi to encourage them? Well, Acts chapter 16 tells us the story. Um, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And while he's going through uh, Lystra and Derby, that's in the area today, modern Turkey, um, he comes to this place and he meets this guy named Timothy. And Timothy comes to faith in Christ through Paul. Okay, uh, Chapter 16, verse 1, Timothy becomes Paul's right-hand man. And he helps him plant churches, city after city. Young Timothy's right there learning, growing, apprenticing, being discipled by the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's so well known, he's the best known of Paul's disciples, that he writes two books, we call it, First and second, any guesses? Timothy, oh yeah, yeah. And it was written from Paul to Timothy because now he's in Ephesus and he's pastoring. And now Paul writes to Timothy and said, here's some uh, instruction on how the church should run. This is how you should pastor there in Ephesus. Uh, don't let anybody think less of you, Tim, just because you're young. First Timothy 4.12 uh, here are the qualities. When you're looking for church leaders, here's the qualities you should be looking for. 1 Timothy 3, 1-11. Uh, again, Timothy is Paul's most well-known disciple. Timothy followed Paul around, watched, listened, took orders. And then after a while, he started praying with people. And it says there, uh, he started teaching and preaching people about Jesus Christ. So, he goes from just watching, now he starts doing, and he hung with Paul and followed Paul's example. Most commentators say it's been 10 years. He's been Paul's number two man. They always say playing second fiddle, that's the hardest instrument to play in the band. Do you understand? Second fiddle is what Paul was talking about here when he writes about Timothy. Here's my question. If you've been a Christ follower for more than 10 years. Can I see? Who's been a, a follower of Jesus for more than 10 years? Here's my question. Who's your Timothy? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Who's your Timothy? Who, who are you investing and hanging out with so they can learn and watch you do ministry? Who are you pouring into so you can duplicate and carry on your mission when you're gone? I, I believe this model is... is one that we should be following. Because yeah, if we don't have somebody younger in the faith 
track me here, then when the Lord calls you home, when you get promoted, who's going to take your spot? Who's going to fill in? And sometimes we have to go on like this, a worldwide search to find somebody who had a Paul in their life, and now we got to call them from far away to come fill the void because we didn't take the time to find a Timothy in our lives. Since I'm uh, 63 next month, this, this is, I'm thinking about this more and more, and I'm thinking, man, I, I need to do this better and more, and I, I need to pour into Pastor Brant more, and I need to work with Pastor John and Lanson. And uh, thankfully, I have been working with Pastor Jason in East Jordan, but I'm just saying, this is something that all of us should be doing. We, we need to find a Timothy who's trainable, teachable, available, faithful, and start pouring our lives into them. You, you follow me around, Henry, and, and I'll show you what I'm doing, and then pretty soon you can start doing it as well. So I just look around, you know. Henry, who, who do you have who's going to replace you? Jack, uh, who's going to train? Who are you training right now to replace you? Chad, who, who, who's, who's going to pick up when, when you're finished? Denise, who's going who's gonna to start working with the ladies in Bible study? I, I'm telling you, it's a biblical model to follow. Back to the text. Philippians 2, verse 19. If the Lord is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you're getting along. Can, can I just say, Paul is sending his best to the church of Philippi. He's sending his protege, his disciple, his right-hand man, check on, encourage uh, his friends in the church at Philippi. Um, he's not looking out for his own interests. Go back to verse 4. It says, do not look out only for your own interests. Paul's looking out for the interest of his friends, the church he planted there in Philippi. So he's saying, by sending Timothy you before me. Selfish would be, I'm not sending, I'm not sending Tim. He, he's the best helper I got. But he's showing love. He's not being selfish. I'm going to send you my best helper, my second fiddle. Paul's sharing the best he has, agape, you before me. Okay. Now here's why Paul sends Timothy. Verse 20, he says, uh, I have nobody else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. Verse 21, all the others, they care only about themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Everyone else, Paul says, they're either too busy or too self-absorbed. They got their own agendas. Um, uh, if, they if I'd send them, it wouldn't be good. Timothy's love for you is real and genuine and proven. Second reason that... Uh, He's going to send Timothy to the church at Philippi. Look at verse 22. Here we go. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he served me in preaching the good news. Verse 23, I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me there. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to you soon. Timothy is a proven commodity. He's tested, he's tried, he's been at Paul's side for 10 years now. He's proven himself. He's literally been his co-slave. 
for the last 10 years. That's what it says, verse 1. Um, my best partner advancing the gospel, and he says, Church at Philippi, you can know I'm sending you the best man I've got, and that is Timothy. When Paul got booted out of a city, guess who else got booted out? <laughs> Timothy. Uh, when Paul got arrested and dragged off to Rome, guess who else got dragged off to Rome? Timothy. When Paul is sick and ralphing, um, I'm sorry, but he did get sick at times, uh, it was Tim there feeding him crackers and helping him to get better. Sorry about that, Marianne, but it just seemed, anyway, Timothy was a normal, average, everyday guy. That's what you need to know. He was just faithful. He was every day, every week, month after month, year after year, Timothy built his life by persistently and faithfully sticking with the mission. Not going nowhere. Lord has called me to serve alongside Paul. And over time, here's the key. His ordinary everyday life produced extraordinary results. You understand? He, nothing special about the guy other than he just every day was giving it all he had. And every day he was in there and serving. So I say to you mothers with lots of little kids right now, keep up the good work. Keep feeding and cleaning and disciplining and vacuuming. Your faithfulness day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Uh, Trish, uh, Keisha, Wendy Ray, Christine. I'm just telling you, hang in there. Because your faithfulness over time produces extraordinary results. It's, it's pretty ordinary, the stuff you do every single day. But the Lord will use that to accomplish amazing, extraordinary fruit. Timothy is exhibit A. Okay, Paul's letter to the church, ordinary guy, persistently stays faithful to the mission 10 years plus, And day after day, it produces extraordinary fruit. Now, Paul gives us exhibit B, okay? So, example A is Timothy. Example B is Epaphroditus. Verse 26, here we go. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, fellow soldier. He was your messenger to me in my need. Verse 26, I'm sending him because he's been longing to see you and he was distressed when you heard that he was ill. Verse 27, and he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me so I would not have one sorrow after another. Okay? If you flip over to chapter 4 and verse 18 of Philippians, um, the church at Philippi, we learn, uh, loved Paul so much They took up an offering, and then they square-cashed the money to Paul, right? Um, No, they Western-unioned it to Paul. Um, No, they wrote a cashier's check to Paul. Uh, Used PayPal, right? Is is that how they would have done it back then? Um, they, They would have needed a messenger to carry the money. And the messenger the Philippian church sent to to Paul was Epaphroditus, okay? He's their messenger, and he carries the money, and they said, you just stay there and help Paul out. Whatever he needs, he's in prison right now. 
Um, but I want you just to stay with Paul and you do whatever you cook, you clean, you shop, be his gopher, uh, stay and help Paul. That's your role, Epaphroditus. Um, so Paul's imprisoned in Rome, uh, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, chained to a Roman guard 24-7, awaiting trial with the Roman Emperor Nero. And Epaphroditus, you hang in there. Just help Paul however you can. Now, Paul writes, and he says, I'm sending him back to you. Verse 26, verse 27, verse 30, three times Paul emphasizes he was sick. Your messenger was really sick. Matter of fact, your messenger was at death's door. He, he nearly died while he's here with me in Rome. Um, verse 26, but now he's recovered and he really wants to get back with you. Epaphroditus, his heart aches. He misses you. He's homesick. Verse 28, he continues. So, I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you'll be glad to see him, and then I'll not be so worried about you. Verse 29, welcome him with Christian love and great joy. Give him the honor that people like him deserve. Verse 30. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. He was at the point of death. While doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Now, I really like how Paul refers to Epaphroditus. Look what he says. Verse 25. He's my true brother. He's my co-worker. He's my fellow soldier. He, he says he was amazing. He was my friend. I appreciate him. We were one. We were working well together. Verse 29, welcome Epaphroditus back with great joy. <laughs> honor men like him. He deserves your honor. So when he comes back, he didn't fail. I want you to welcome him and honor him. Verse 30, why? He risked his life for the work of Christ. Okay? He risked his life. For the work of Christ. He risked his life is a gambling term. Okay? It's the only time in the New Testament this word is used. Um, do we have any poker players? Um, no, I shouldn't ask that question in church. But literally what this term means, he risked everything. It, it would be literally, I'm all in. Um, that's what he did. He pushed all of his chips into the middle of the table, and he says, I I'm all in. He was an ordinary, average dude, but he was willing to put everything all on the line to encourage and support the local church and Paul in his ministry. He, he not only was willing to risk everything, it nearly cost him everything. That's what Paul's saying. Welcome him back with great joy, church at Philippi. That's what I'm ordering you to do. He was willing to do ordinary, normal stuff, even if it cost him his life. And I'm convinced if uh, we could bring Epaphroditus up here right now, we'd say, well, you know, he's nothing that special. He's pretty average. He's ordinary. Here's the point. Just the average, ordinary, normal person who risked it all and did extraordinary stuff. So, uh, four things I want to close with, okay? 
Paul tells the church at Philippi, I believe Paul tells the church at Walloon, um, welcome the folks with love and great joy who sacrifice and serve for you. That's just a good principle to remember. When people are sacrificing and serving on your behalf, when you see them again, you welcome them. You're, you're loving on them. You, you rejoice. Okay. Secondly, he says, honor those who are serving on your behalf. Those who, for the sake of Christ and his church and his kingdom, are steadily advancing the cause of Christ. They're staying faithful to the mission that's how you produce extraordinary results, okay? We're, we're always looking for that one. We want to do something big. And, and we see here in these two men, it's not the big stuff. It's the ordinary one foot in front of another, one day after another, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's where extraordinary stuff comes from. It's not the big, it's the everyday normal stuff repeated over time. That's where extraordinary fruit comes from. Third, I love that we're talking about serving and sacrificing for the church. Okay? He, he's, Paul's giving his best gift to the local church. Timothy. Okay? He, I'm going to give you the best I got. And then from the church at Philippi... They send Epaphroditus as a sacrificial gift carrier. And now I want you to go on behalf of the church at Philippi. Go and take good care of Paul. And then he sends him back and says, I want to encourage you with uh, giving him back. Now, here's my question. Are you ready? Give me your eyes. I'll give you mine. How are you serving and sacrificing to advance the cause of Christ in the local church? Because that's what you see demonstrated here. How are you serving and sacrificing to advance the cause of Jesus Christ in the local church? The hope of the world is the local church. Did you know that? God's plan to reach the world is through the local church. Through the church at Philippi. Through the church at Thessalonica. Through the church at Rome through the churches in Galatia. Do you understand? They're all written to local churches. God's plan to reach and change the world is through the local church. So what part are you playing in God's plan? How, how are you serving? How are you giving and sacrificing? Maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to walk out of the stands, I've watched enough of the game, I'm actually going to come down on the field and I'm going to get in the game. Maybe, just maybe, God's plan is for you to come and get in the game. Some of you are thinking, you know, PJ, I'm, I'm just pretty normal, average, ordinary guy or gal. How could King Jesus use ordinary little puny me. I, I would point today to an ordinary, shy, introverted guy named Timothy. And if you read First and Second Timothy, you realize he struggled. He, he was introverted. He was shy. He felt bad because he was young. 
who did normal everyday stuff. And the Lord used him to produce extraordinary stuff. Okay? Um, I, I would point to this sick unto death guy. And by the way, this is the only time we hear about Epaphroditus in, in all of God's word. Okay? And he literally was like the FedEx guy who delivered money and then stuck around to help Paul. And Paul says, welcome and honor and celebrate this guy. He risked everything for you. He pushed everything to the middle of the table, and he did that for you. He was willing to sacrifice and risk everything. Here's what I want you to know. The Lord wants to use ordinary you to do his stuff. But here's, here's the thing. Not just for one big thing. He wants to use you day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And I want you to plug into my plan to reach and change the world, which is the local church. And I want you to advance the gospel in ordinary northern Michigan to see extraordinary stuff happen. Okay? Here's my question. You ready? Are you willing to push all your chips to the middle of the table? Are you willing to say, I'm all in? I'm all in. Lord, you use me. Uh, ordinary, average as I might be, uh, Jesus wants to use your daily, consistent, everyday, faithful serving in small, persistent, determined steps to accomplish extraordinary stuff. So here's the question. You going to fold? <laughs> no thanks. You're asking too much. Or are you willing to say, today I'm all in? Pushing all my chips into the middle of the table. Whatever it takes, Lord, use me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you're not looking for superstars and all stars. Lord, thank you that you choose to use everyday, ordinary, normal, average people to accomplish your work. And thank you for inspiring Paul to preserve for us the story of these two humble and sacrificial men named Timothy and Epaphroditus. And Lord, I believe you gave us these examples not just so we can put more knowledge in our heads. Lord, I believe you've given us these examples to follow with our everyday lives. Pray for those who are feeling ordinary and average and... Uh, using that as an excuse, but Lord, those are exactly the people you use best. So I need to ask, are you willing to quit, to commit right now? Are you willing to say, Lord, uh, if you could use ordinary, plain, average me, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm willing to daily, persistently, faithfully serve you and your church willing to advance your kingdom, Jesus. Just want you to know, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm willing to risk everything. And I just want to celebrate. Anybody say, Lord, I want you to know, that's me. I'm going to lift up my ordinary hand, and I want you to know, I'm all in. Anybody? Anybody who'd say, I'm all in. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Lord, use me. Use me. 
Lord, please use these folk, ordinary, average, normal people like me, use them to advance your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that we would faithfully and humbly and sacrificially serve your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things.